0: the people. The Supreme Court's conservative majority takes steps to reshape American life. This is not a normal How are Democrats responding? Biden Cabinet Secretary Pete Buttigieg and Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez join me next. And holding court. As Republicans celebrate conservative rulings, Trump takes credit. Is that enough to make voters overlook their concerns?
1: He's getting quartered and he'll lie about anything. We need leaders that are going to be willing to be bold, that are going to be honest.
0: Republican Candidates Chris Christie and Will Hurd join me to respond in moments. Plus, justice for whom? New attacks from top GOP candidates on minority rights.
1: Instead of taking children to church, they believe in taking children to drag
0: shows. But are they out of step with voters? Our political panel will discuss. Hello, I'm Dana Bash in Washington, where the state of our union is divided six to three. Key decisions by the Supreme Court this week once again upended American life with a trio of sweeping rulings that divided Americans and moved the country to the right, prompting far-reaching consequences that are only beginning to come into focus. The new decisions to gut affirmative action in college admissions, curtail LGBTQ protections, and block President Biden's controversial student loan forgiveness plan. It prompted blistering exchanges between justices on the court and brought the stakes in the 2024 election into clearer view. As top GOP candidates said, if elected, they would push the nation even further on that path, while President Biden said only he can stand in their way. Here with me now is Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Uh, let's start with the student loan decision. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote that The Constitution does not allow the president the power to unilaterally forgive student loans. It's up to you in Congress to make this kind of sweeping change. Early in his presidency, I think you remember, even President Biden said he doesn't have that authority. What's your response to the court's decision?
2: You know, what the court was also ruling on was with respect to the HEROES Act, But our response is very strong in that Congress has given the president that authority in the higher education in the Higher Education Act. Uh, The president very squarely has, as well, uh, using his secretary of education, the ability to cancel student loans. But as we've seen, not just in what we saw ruled from the majority, but even in the minority dissent written around these cases, we have justices saying that the Supreme Court is going themselves much too far. They are expanding their role. Into acting as though they are Congress itself, and that I believe is an expansion of power that we really must be focusing on. The danger of this court and the abuse of power in this court, particularly as it uh, particularly as um, as it is related to the entanglements around conflicts of interest, as well. You
0: mentioned the Higher Education Act. President Biden came out and proposed a different path forward for student loan forgiveness under certain circumstances. Listen to what he said.
3: We will ground this new approach in a different law than my original plan, the so-called Higher Education Act. This new path is legally sound. It's going to take longer, but in my view, it's the best path that remains to providing for as many borrowers possible with debt relief.
0: So so just to be clear, he is saying that what he wants to do now is to try to use his executive a power under what you were mentioning, the Higher Education Act, which is different from what the Supreme Court struck down. Uh, You are not only a member of Congress, I believe you still have student loans. This plan could take up to a year to take effect. Is there more that he could or should be doing?
2: You know, yes, I, I believe that um, there are several steps that we should be considering as well to go a step beyond. I would like to see interest payments suspended during this time, especially during that 12 month ramp up period. There are millions of people in this country that have student loan debt under uh, student loan debt amounts under ten or twenty thousand dollars, as outlined in the plan. People should not be incurring interest during this 12-month on-ramp period, so I highly urge uh, the administration to consider suspending those interest payments. Of course, we still believe in pursuing student loan cancellation and acting faster than that 12-month period wherever possible what we we have been uh, really articulating this plan using the higher education administration uh, uh, the higher education act for some time Uh, myself as well as other members of the congressional hispanic caucus uh, met with the white house you know, recently around this plan, as well as many other advocates in the space as well. And we truly believe that the president, Congress has given the the president this authority. The Supreme Court is far overreaching their authority. And I believe, frankly, that we really need to be having conversations about judicial review um, as a check on the courts as well.
0: I want to talk more broadly about the court in a minute. But first, I want to ask about another decision this past week striking down affirmative action programs, the two black justices on the court, Justice Clarence Thomas and Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, had a really blistering debate that we don't usually see in decisions. Mm-hmm. Here is part of what Justice Thomas wrote. He said, quote, Justice Jackson uses her broad observations about statistical relationships between race and select measures of health, wealth, and well-being to label all blacks as victims. Her desire to do so is unfathomable to me. It is an insult to individual achievement and cancerous to young minds seeking to push through barriers. Their race is not to blame for everything, good or bad, that happens
2: in their lives. What is your response to that? I mean, what Justice Clarence Thomas wrote there, I believe, is profoundly disrespectful um to uh, to I, I just think it was profoundly disrespectful to his colleague. it includes sweeping uh, assumptions about her worldview whereas when you look at what um, what the response was from Justice Katanji Brown we saw that her dissent was grounded in fact it was grounded in the facts of the case. it did not disparage Clarence Thomas's overall worldview but as a matter of fact, a, a, a nuanced critique of his analysis of the facts of the case. But for him to come out and insinuate that her opinion is due to some sort of inferior or less than, uh, you know, less than, than really thought out uh, of a stance, I think it's profoundly insulting. And, um, and I think that he really demonstrated his character, uh, frankly, and, and his worldview in that critique himself.
0: Congresswoman, you've called on President Biden to expand the Supreme Court to 13 justices. But even after uh, Roe was overruled last year and this past week, what we saw with affirmative action and other uh, cases, I want you to listen to what President Biden said. He just said this on Thursday on MSNBC.
3: I think if we start the process of trying to expand the court, we're going to politicize it maybe forever in a way that is not healthy. That you can't get back. That you can't get back.
0: I'd like you to respond to that. And also, you mentioned a moment ago judicial review. Uh, are you also saying that the justices' uh, power should somehow be limited?
2: I I truly do. And this is not a new Um, This is not a new development in history. This is part of our system of checks and balances. The court's if they were to proceed without any check on their power, without any balance on their power, uh, then we will start to see an undemocratic and, frankly, dangerous authoritarian expansion of power in the Supreme Court, which is what we are seeing now, from the overturning of abortion rights to the ruling that discrimination and, frankly, stripping the full personhood and dignity of LGBTQ people uh, in the United States. Th- this is, these are the types of rulings that signal a dangerous creep towards authoritarianism and centralization of power in the court. In fact, we have members of the court themselves with Justice Elena Kagan saying that the court is beginning to assume the power of a legislature. And right now, whether it is expansion of the court.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wonder how how do you
2: do that? How do you are you proposing a law or a bill? There's several ways. First, we have a Senate Judiciary Committee that is beginning the process of investigating the entanglements and conflicts of interest. Just one to two weeks before the student loan ruling, the country learned that Justice Samuel Alito was accepting gifts from billionaires who were lobbying against Supreme Court uh, forgive or that were lobbying before the Supreme Court against student loan forgiveness. um, Just, you know, just weeks before we learned that that he was accepting gifts from them um, and travel and vacations from them before he decided to uh, vote and rule in their favor. And so I believe that if justice if chief justice roberts will not come before congress for an investigation voluntarily i believe that we should be considering subpoenas we should be considering investigations we must pass pass much more binding and stringent ethics guidelines where we see members of Cong- uh, where we see members of the of the supreme court potentially breaking the law as we saw in the refusal you know with clarence thomas to recuse himself uh, from cases implicating his wife in in january 6th There also must be impeachment on the table. We have a broad level of tools to deal with misconduct, overreach and abuse of power. And the Supreme Court has not been receiving the adequate oversight necessary in order to preserve their own legitimacy. And in the process, they themselves have been destroying the legitimacy of the court, which is profoundly dangerous for our entire democracy.
0: Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate
2: it. Of course, thank you.
0: And in a separate decision this week, the Supreme Court cut back LGBTQ protections. Secretary Pete Buttigieg joins me live next. And Donald Trump appointed three of the justices and is wasting no time taking credit for those Supreme Court decisions. Chris Christie will respond coming up. Welcome back to State of the Union. Several new Supreme Court decisions will have far reaching impacts on people in the United States, including a ruling that limits protections for LGBTQ Americans on free speech grounds. Here with me now is Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Mr. Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for joining me this morning. The Supreme Court ruled, as you know, that a Christian web designer is not required to make websites celebrating same sex weddings due to her religious objections. Uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch argued that if the court had ruled the other way, then, quote, governments could force an unwilling Muslim movie director to make a film with a Zionist message. They could compel an atheist muralist to accept a commission celebrating evangelical zeal. And they could require a gay website designer to create websites for a group advocating against same-sex marriage. Is there any merit to that argument?
3: No, there isn't. And I think it's very revealing that there's no evidence that this web designer was ever even approached by anyone asking uh, for a website for a same-sex wedding. Matter of fact, it appears this web designer only went into the wedding business for the purpose of of provoking a case like this. And in that sense, I think there's something in common between this Supreme Court ruling and what we're seeing happening in state legislatures across the country, which is kind of a solution looking for a problem. Uh, In other words, Uh, sending these kinds of things to the courts and sending these kinds of things to state legislatures for the clear purpose of chipping away at the equality and the rights that have so recently been won in the LGBTQ plus community. And when they're doing that, it's at the expense of so many other issues that uh, Americans are asking for relief and support on the kinds of economic issues that President Biden was emphasizing in his Bidenomics address about how we keep unemployment so low, uh, how we continue lowering costs for American families. Uh, You know, the, the fact that this was relief from a situation that may have never happened in the Per, in the first place, tells you everything you need to know about this agenda to use every instrument of government, courts and legislatures, to claw back at these rights for people who are just trying to go about their lives and just trying to be treated equally by businesses and by the government.
0: Mr. Secretary, Ron DeSantis's campaign tweeted a video attacking President Trump for his past support for LGBTQ Americans, touted DeSantis's own record of restricting their rights, I want you to look and listen to just part of that long video.
4: I cannot think of anything more horrifying. It really has shut down drag just produced some of the harshest, most draconian laws that literally threaten trans existence.
0: What's your reaction to that video?
3: You know, I'm going to choose my words carefully, partly because I'm appearing as secretary, so I I can't talk about campaigns. Mm -hmm. And and I'm going to leave aside the strangeness of trying to prove your manhood by putting up a video that splices images of you in between oiled up shirtless bodybuilders. And just get to the bigger issue that that is on my mind whenever I see this stuff in, in the policy space, which is, again... Who are you trying to help? Who are you trying to make better off? And what public policy problems do you get up in the morning thinking about how to solve? You know, we're focused as an administration on how to get things done to make people better off. I spent my week traveling around the country to places that are benefiting from infrastructure funding. We were in Appalachia in an eastern Kentucky community that's been wiped out by floods repeatedly. And we're bringing them highway funding that's going to help them not only improve the road, but also improve the dam and protect them from floods in the future. A few weeks ago, we were in North Dakota where there's a railroad crossing that was a community headache for decades. And thanks to President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure funds, we we finally have the the resources to do something about it. And we're going to make that uh, uh, better and have it not be a problem holding back first responders. These are the kinds of problems that most of us got into government, politics, and public service in order to work on. And and I just don't understand the mentality of somebody who gets up in the morning thinking that he's going to prove his worth by competing over who can make life hardest for a hard-hit community that is already so vulnerable in America.
0: You mentioned that you have been traveling around uh, talking about and, and helping to unveil projects that are coming up because of President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law. This week there, we saw a poll that showed that 34 percent of Americans, that's it, just 34 percent of Americans approve of his handling of the economy. Seven in 10 say economic conditions are poor. Why is it that so many Americans don't seem to be feeling the benefit from Biden's economic policies that you're talking about?
3: Well, look, we're seeing extraordinarily low unemployment, some of the most job creation under any president ever. Uh, We're seeing, by the way, with that also unusually high rates of job satisfaction. We've seen inflation falling. We've seen uh, manufacturing returning to the U.S. Now, obviously, a lot of effort. And a lot of money <laughs> goes into negativity to try to get people focusing on other things, like some of the things uh, that, that uh, we're talking about in the culture wars that uh, certain uh, figures are bringing to the fore again and again, I think because they don't want to talk uh, about the economic work that they're doing. And they certainly don't want to talk, you know, if you're, we're talking about House and Senate Republicans, why they voted no on the infrastructure package, the majority of them, although we appreciate the Republicans who crossed over to work with us, uh, you know. Most uh, uh, House and Senate Republicans and state legislative Republicans, they don't want to be dwelling on why they said no to $35 a month caps on insulin or any of the other issues that are really affecting people. The other thing I've noticed uh, in in the the way these things get uh, uh, digested in, in, in the public and in the media is when something is unambiguously good. It gets dramatically less attention. That's part of why we've been hitting the road, to highlight the really good work that's going on. Uh, work that's going on in terms of long-term infrastructure improvements, short-term uh, successes too, like the work that Governor Shapiro led in Pennsylvania with partnership from our department to get I-95 back up and running in record time after it was taken out uh, in a fiery and tragic crash. These are the kinds of problem solving that uh, frankly, uh, there's some folks in, in Washington, for sure, who don't want to talk about that. They'd rather talk about other stuff. Our job is to make sure that Americans see the full picture. And that's exactly why you'll continue to see us not only hard at work in our offices, but out on the road highlighting the actual problem-solving and results that we're bringing to the American people.
0: You are the Transportation Secretary. It is a holiday weekend. A record number of Americans are flying uh, this weekend after days of mass cancel cancellations, rather, delays, particularly at United Airlines. The CEO of United, Scott Kirby, had to apologize for using a private jet, even as his airline was canceling thousands of flights. Does something need to change at United?
3: I'm less focused on how the CEO of United Airlines gets around and and more focused on how millions of passengers can get around. Uh, The good news is on Friday, uh, according to TSA numbers from the screening checkpoints, we saw the most air passengers uh, not only since COVID, but we think ever. And we saw cancellation rates and delay rates below three percent, below two percent coming into today. Uh, Things look like they have quickly returned to normal uh, for the system. And United also appears to have recovered. Now, uh, we're watching more severe potential for severe weather. That's what touched off all of these problems about a week ago. Uh, But you look at where we were a year ago, where even on blue sky days with no severe weather, there were really unacceptable levels of cancellations and delays. We've come a long way. And, And if you are traveling, this weekend uh, like I am uh, certainly encourage you to go to flightrights.gov we put out a lot of information including information about the enforceable customer service commitments that we have secured over the last year so that you are better taken care of if an airline leaves you in the lurch and uh, of course at the operational level uh, even as we're holding the airlines accountable on customer service we're also partnering with them at the operational level to solve those tactical problems that can come up hour by hour when you have a thunderstorm a staffing issue or anything else.
0: Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, thank you so much. Appreciate your time.
3: Thank you. Good to be with you.
0: And harsh new language from the top GOP contenders this weekend following the Supreme Court rulings. We'll get reaction from Chris Christie and Will Hurd next. Welcome back to State of the Union. The Republican Party cheered this week's Supreme Court decisions, and some candidates doubled down on the issues of race and LGBTQ rights. Here with me now is GOP presidential candidate, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Thanks for coming on this morning. Governor, let's start with that LGBTQ rights decision. Justice Gorsuch said in his majority opinion that all persons are free to think and speak as they wish, not as the government demands. In her dissent, Justice Sotomayor says the court, for the first time in its history, grants a business open to a public, to the public, a constitutional right to refuse to serve members of a protected class. Where do you stand?
5: Look, I stand with Justice Gorsuch, uh, Dana. and the thing that's that's bad about the dissenting opinion is that it it mischaracterizes the decision. Uh, this business has no right not to serve people of a protected class, but by the same token, uh, the government doesn't have the right to tell a business the nature of how they need to use their expressive abilities. And so uh, the fact is that um, this uh, this business can't deny LGBTQ. Uh, people, couples, uh, from coming in and trying to, uh, you know, access this business. That's not the case at all. It's a mischaracterization of it. And, and you know, Dana, it, what, what concerns me the most is that for decades and decades, um, the the Democratic Party cheered a Supreme Court that went outside the Constitution, made extra constitutional decisions, in my opinion, um, because the decisions went in a philosophical direction that they liked. Um, Now, um, when the court makes decisions that they don't like, all of a sudden the court is, you know, a a not normal court, according to President Biden. Uh, You know, this is a results oriented uh, type of judgment. Instead, what they should look at is the way they analyze the law. And as a lawyer and someone who's watched this for a long time, I think Justice Gorsuch made a decision that protects all of our First Amendment rights. And most particularly, you know, Democrats don't like this now. But you know what? Um, If they were being ordered by a state to do something that they felt restricted their rights, they'd be angry about it and should be. We should not be restricting people's First Amendment rights.
0: So I I hear what you're saying, that this specifically says that this web designer doesn't have to make it for uh, same sex marriage and that certainly was the, the basis of the case. But you have no concern that this uh, decision can be used in a more expansive way because the notion of expression and creativity is, is very subjective.
5: Look, what what Sonia Sotomayor, the Justice Sotomayor was saying in her opinion was that they could that this decision could be used to deny people of uh, LGBTQ uh, background on um, the ability to access this business. That's simply not true. They can access this business, they just can't force the owner to do something that is against her personal religious beliefs. And so if they wanna come in and they want a web design for their business, they want a web design for a charity, they want a web design um, for anything else that they're doing, they could certainly do that. And she knows that's true, but she's trying to inflame people um, with this decision and it is a very narrow decision. And no, I'm not concerned that it wouldn't because I'll tell you what would happen. If someone tried to do that, um, people in that particular state would be into court immediately if they were trying to do go beyond state. this this decision. And I believe the justices of this court um, would stop them from doing it.
0: Speaking of uh, trying to inflame, uh, the DeSantis campaign tweeted a new video hitting President Trump for celebrating Pride Month, touting DeSantis anti LGBTQ record as governor. I know you've seen this video. Are you comfortable with it?
5: I'm not comfortable with it, and I'm not comfortable with the way both Governor DeSantis and Donald Trump are are moving our debate in this country. You know, we have nine and a half million children in this country every night who go to bed hungry. Um, we have 21 percent of our, our students in the 10th grade saying that they're using hard illegal drugs. Um, and this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Um, This is what I mean, Dana, that we're trying to make this country and their debate is trying to make this country smaller. They're trying to divide us further. And it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. We have big, big issues to be talking about here: uh, the runaway inflation, um, how our students' educational results are down again this year across the country and non-competitive with other parts of the world. And this type of video does nothing to 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 address those issues. Um, and it is a it is a teenage you know food fight between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. And I don't think that's what leaders should be doing. Um, And it certainly doesn't make me feel inspired um, as an American on the 4th of July weekend to have this type of back and forth uh, going on uh, at all. Uh, And and it's wrong um, to be doing it and it's narrowing our country and making us smaller. I want a country that is gonna be bigger and going after the big issues that will make every American feel better about themselves, their families, and their country.
0: You've talked a lot about uh, the former president's lies about 2020 and, of course, what happened uh, on January 6th. We learned this week that Donald Trump pressured Arizona Governor Doug Ducey in a phone call after the 2020 election to help overturn Trump's election loss. That's according to a source familiar with the matter. As you know, Trump is under investigation for a similar phone call in Georgia. Is that acceptable to you and could it be criminal?
5: You know, we're going to let the prosecutors decide whether it's criminal or not. I did do that for seven years. And what I know is you got to know all the evidence to make that kind of judgment. Um, so we shouldn't be making those judgments till we hear all the evidence. But is it acceptable? It's absolutely unacceptable to be pressuring a governor... Um, or any elected official as it was with the Secretary of State in Georgia to try to find votes to be able to win a state that you didn't win or to try to somehow come up with some kind of ridiculous theory um, to overturn the results in Arizona. Let me tell you why he lost Arizona. He lost Arizona for the same reason he lost Pennsylvania, he lost Michigan, he lost Wisconsin, um, and he lost Georgia because he had become a caricature of himself because he had not done the job the American people elected him to do. He had failed on his promises to balance the budget, failed on his promises to build the wall, um, and led the Republican Party to loss after loss after loss. Look, this is the kind of debate, Dana, that I want to have on the stage with Donald Trump starting August 23rd. And if people want to see that debate, go to chrischristie.com, donate, I'll be on the stage and we'll have that debate.
0: One last question before I let you go. If the former president is convicted of any of the crimes that he is accused of, and that crime uh, would put anybody else in jail, should he, a former president, go to jail?
5: Look, Dana, you know, we're gonna see how the trial goes. I will tell you this, there is a presumption of jail with these charges. Um, and that's the, the truth of the matter. Now, at the time he'll be convicted, he would be 78 or 79 years old. Um, that also is going to be taken into consideration by any court, as it would for any other 78- or 79-year-old person, about whether they would go to jail or not either. Okay. I don't want Donald Trump treated any differently than any other American, um, and I don't want him treated worse, and I don't want him treated better. I want to make sure that the facts come out, and if a jury finds him guilty, I want a judge to make that call.
0: Governor, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it.
5: Happy Fourth, Dana.
0: Thanks, you too. And here with me now, another GOP presidential candidate, former Texas Congressman Will Hurt. Nice to see you in person. Let's start with the Supreme Court's affirmative action decision. I want to read Clarence Thomas's opinion. He said, quote, individuals are the sum of their unique experiences, challenges and accomplishments What matters is not the barriers they face, but how they choose to confront them. And their race is not to blame for everything good or bad that happens in their lives. And Ketanji Brown Jackson, uh, she said deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. Although formal race linked legal barriers are gone, race still matters to the lived experiences of all Americans in innumerable ways. And today's ruling makes things worse, not better. Who do you agree with?
1: Well, race still does matter, and that's why this case allows um, race still to be be used uh, when adjudicating whether or not a student should be able to go to college. Uh, The reality is, is with or without affirmative action, uh, we've done a terrible job of preparing our black and brown kids to be able to go to college. When you look at the number of black and brown kids, that are graduating high school but not going to college. Those numbers are terrible. And so we've been failing them and making sure that they have the skill sets and the tools they need in order to get to college, but also be successful uh, while they're there. Also, many of these universities, why haven't they figured out a way to educate more kids? Uh, You can take Arizona State University, 10 years ago they had 60,000 students now they have over 200,000 students and they've done that without having to increase uh, the size of their staff so 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 the root cause here is that we're not getting our kids ready for college and being able to be successful there.
0: So you think that colleges should factor race into their admissions?
1: Uh, colleges still can. The, the court made it very but clear. They are they, they, they able to use that because it has an impact on who they are and on their, on their life experiences and, and why they have been successful or the, or the issues that they've been able to deal with.
0: The court also ruled in favor of a Christian web designer who said requiring her to make websites promoting same-sex marriage conflicted with her religious beliefs. In her dissent, Justice Sonia Sotomayor argued that this could open the door to private businesses discriminating, for example, against interracial marriages. You come from a mixed-race family. Do you agree with her?
1: Well, the the majority in this opinion claim explain that that does not is the case. This was about protecting a person's ability to express themselves. And I'll be frank, this this decision makes me uncomfortable because we're protecting speech that I don't agree with, Um, and and I don't agree personally with with an anti-LGBTQ sentiment. And so so that but we we have to be protecting the speech even if we don't in we don't like or agree with that speech. That's a foundational element. In, in, in our country. Well, in
0: 2019, you were one of only eight House Republicans who voted to outlaw LGBTQ discrimination. Your message to your party at the time was, I'm paraphrasing sure. slightly here, don't be a a-hole, don't <laughs> yeah. be homophobic. A lot of your Republican opponents are making LGBTQ rights a cultural flashpoint. You saw Ron DeSantis's video that his campaign tweeted, Donald Trump's attacked Marxist lunatics and perverts in schools. Right. What's your message to them?
1: Well, well, my message is I wish they would focus and, and, and focus their attacks on war criminals like Vladimir Putin, not my friends in the LGBTQ community. It is 2023. We should be talking about how do we embrace our differences, because here's what I've learned as I've crisscrossed the country. We're better together and we should be having our leaders that are that are encouraging that that are protecting that in order to how we use our diversity to solve the major problems that we're facing. You now, we're in a new Cold War with the Chinese government. The Chinese government is trying to surpass us as a global superpower. That's going to impact everybody. And we need to be making sure that we're having a competition of ideas on how to be prepared for that. We can talk about the, about the economy all day long. Um, new technologies like artificial intelligence are going to upend every single industry, not in 10 years, but in two or three years. These are the conversations that we should be talking about and having. And the way we're going to solve these, th- these problems is by doing it together.
0: Another a conversation that maybe the State Department might not have wanted us to have because they released a report mm-hmm. on, on a Friday. It's a long-awaited after-action report on the Afghanistan withdrawal. Mm-hmm. It found that decisions by both the Trump and Biden administrations severely undermined the stability of the Afghan government and that the State Department failed to anticipate the worst-case scenarios that ultimately unfolded. What do you make of those findings?
1: This problem in Afghanistan started under the Donald Trump administration about pulling out. And then when Joe Biden said he was gonna follow through with with Trump's intention, of course the Afghan military was not gonna fight. They were worried about their future and, and they wanted to cut a deal with the Taliban. The withdrawal from Afghanistan was terrible. It was done in a chaotic order. And for, there were thousands of men and women that helped protect American lives over decades, and we left them there, and there was decisions by this administration that prevented people from coming out of the country when they, when they could. And so this, this was a debacle that hurt our reputation around the world, and it's just one more thing that our allies are questioning our ability to, to work together against common threats. And this is, this is a significant problem, and I'm glad this report finally came out.
0: Before I let you go, are you going to be on the debate stage? You need to get 40,000 donations, but you're also saying that you won't sign a pledge to support the nominee. That's
1: right. I'm, I'm going I'm to work towards to hitting all the, the, the requirements, but I can't lie to get access to a microphone. Uh, I've taken a one oath, and that's to protect the, the Constitution. I take one pledge. That's when I put my hand on the heart and pledge to the flag of the United States. And I've recently taken one vow. That's to my awesome, beautiful wife. Uh, I'm not going to support uh, Donald Trump. I recognize the impact that it has on, on, on you know, my ability to get access to the debate stage. But I, I can't lie. It'll be easy to say, I'll do it. And then when it comes down, you know, change your mind. But I just can't. I can't do that.
0: Congressman, thank you so much for coming in this morning. I appreciate it. And how will this week's Supreme Court decisions affect the 2024 campaign? My panel, including former Republican Governor Larry Hogan, is here next.
2: President Biden, the congressional black Caucus of the Supreme Court has thrown into question its own legitimacy. Is this a rogue court?
0: This is not normal. President Biden reacting to our own let signs to the Supreme Court's decision to end affirmative action. My panel joins me now. Happy Fourth.
6: Happy fourth.
0: Nice to see you all. Uh, Karen, I'm going to start with you. There was a pause there, a pregnant pause, yeah. as they say, spoke volumes.
6: It did. I mean, look, you could tell the president was disappointed. <clears throat> and I would say as a progressive, obviously, I'm disappointed. But as a political practitioner, I think And I I think the president and most of us recognize this is an opportunity to draw a very stark contrast between our party and our values and what we are fighting for. And and the Republican Party that was gleeful, for example, about and campaigned in 2022 against giving debt relief to our students during a, a crisis, during the pandemic. Obviously, Roe v. Wade, that is a bright line in the sand, if you will, about what you believe about women's rights and Bali autonomy. So I think that pause represented both his frustration, but also a recognition that, again, there is a dramatic contrast between our vision and their vision for the future. And Governor Hogan, you
0: were uh, and still are not uh, a fan of, of Donald Trump and his presidency but here you have a party that is really, your party, Republican Party, is really applauding him on all of these, uh, these decisions because three of his nominees are on the court. Are you, how do you view that through the prism of 2024 and whether voters are going to look beyond some of the other issues that he has?
7: I think it's going to be interesting to see how the voters react. And uh, I'm not you know, sure it's not going to be good for Republicans in some ways, and they're certainly going to try to take advantage of some of these decisions. I think... Um, you know the, the president's comments was it's not a normal court but well, it's also not a normal presidency and not going to be a normal election it's something like we've never seen before um, some of these issues are certainly going to be resonating out there and probably firing up the base on both the republican side and the democratic side But i think the uh, the average person is going to be really frustrated with kind of the demagoguing from both sides and people demonizing and questioning the legitimacy of the supreme court well you know, they're elected officials that should be doing something about some of these problems, but they're not taking action, they're not passing laws, and they're just pointing fingers.
8: What I think is not normal is when we have the president of the United States and Democrats and progressives like AOC earlier uh, criticizing the Supreme Court and calling their actions troublesome when the, the most recent action of the Supreme Court basically put the power of the purse back in the hands of Congress where it should be when we're talking about student loan debt. The president of the United States himself acknowledged he did not have the authority to uh, wipe away the student loan debt. Nancy Pelosi said as well that he didn't have the authority. So here he is campaigning on uh, invalid IOUs, giving false hope to college students. And now he's trying it yet again to get up their hopes because he wants their vote. So it's just disingenuous for them you know, to criticize not, the court on this. They basically specific said the issue.
7: same thing that President Biden and Nancy Pelosi said. They, they, agree, they agreed he doesn't have the power. Now they have the power to go to Congress and pass a bill, but, but they haven't. Well
6: remember, we started with Congress and Congress failed to act, and that's how we ended up where we were. And so now to say let's go back to Congress, a Congress that like as you just said, isn't willing to get anything done. But I'm not sure the Republican you Party you has any yeah.
4: views on how you reduce college debt for people, how you address the economic issues. They don't they don't talk about it. I think the president is showing himself in friction and fight in a healthy way. He's gonna take on a system that isn't working for a lot of people. A lot of people know they're drowning in debt, whether you're a student, whether you're dealing with medical debt, whether you're Dealing with uh, car loan debt, you're you, it's you're struggling to get uh, advancement in this generation of young kids, and he understands and feels it. You can go and talk to regular people about this governor, and they will resonate. People well, will I understand
7: what he's talking about. Talk to regular people about this, and have a great eight-year track record on this. And to say Republicans aren't doing anything about student debt is in just, just isn't true. Um, look, we we uh, we spent eight years trying to make college more affordable, both at our universities, at our community colleges. We May, took action to provide free community college for people Same that with on the president, aid right, That was the president's idea. He also uh, it took action to make sure that the, the state the state taxes were deductible based on the interest on student loans. But to say you're going to have <laughs> people. Uh, who paid their student loans have to now, now go back and pay for the ones who didn't, or the people that gave, didn't go to college because they couldn't afford it are now working okay. to pay. Do for you the feel people. that way about small businesses that got loans no, in just, the pandemic? I just think you're. Do you feel that way seriously? I, I think should they not have gotten relief at the at You're, the numbers you're of very people wealthy who don't Maryland businessman business. okay, okay. You deserve <laughs> a loan credit. I think That's it's a losing like political <laughs> issue for Democrats. <laughs> I think Republicans would be happy to have this.
0: Deal. Alice, do you agree with the governor that just on the raw politics of this that Republicans are going to be enthusiastic? I see it on the
8: Democratic side because they're angry, but Republicans uh, on these specific issues, yeah. absolutely, they got wins. That's because is that going
0: to draw them to the polls?
8: It, it certainly is, provided that the Republican candidates and the RNC, which I know they're already doing, make sure that they um, characterize these wins in the proper context, as opposed to out of context, which is a, what a lot of people are doing. And to what the governor said, the issue of the student loan debt is resonating with hardworking Americans, as he said those that chose not to go to college and start working right away, those who uh, paid off their loans, those who, like me, saved up in high school and worked three jobs in college to pay off their loans, they don't want to take on the loan of other people. And the, the, this administration picking winners and losers in terms of who they want to dole out money to for the sake of votes, that is well, not going to sit I well think with we Republicans. I need to take a
6: step back, though, and, and look at it in, in a more wholesome way. With what I think, again, going back to what the president said I think what America is absorbing is this is the ramifications of a 6-3 court that is fundamentally putting you know, student loans and how you feel about that. Look at the whole picture. How do, is this a country where we expand the circle of opportunity or we restrict it? Our, do we believe our core value that diversity in education is an important thing and one of a limited, which is what the court struck down, Factor that should be considered in terms of college admissions? Do we believe that women should have bodily autonomy and have the decision with her doctor about what happens to her body? Or do we not believe that? And so I think that's part of that's really what this is going to be about uh, when it comes to the 24 election, is what is the impact of this court? And whether or not we want to have a president and a Congress that will take action to move but, us in a different well, direction. Uh the affirmative
7: action uh, case, look, two, more than two thirds of the colleges in America did not use race-based decision making. It was outlawed in large states like California and Michigan and Florida for for years and years. And, years. Have gone down, and as a of fact. we've made all kinds of efforts to increase diversity and to provide more opportunity for people that needed it, but they ruled that they couldn't discriminate against people because of their race, which is what Harvard Governor, was doing. Governor, while I, while I, I'm, I have, I'm the father of three Asian daughters who, you know, the, the court ruled that they were discriminating against a mi- minority by taking kicking people. While in. I have you here,
0: there is a group, no labels. They are considering running a third party candidate. You talked just a moment ago about the demagoguery that you see on both sides. Would you run for president on a third party, you know, labels take Look,
7: it. it's not something that I'm considering or pursuing at all, but I, I totally understand the frustrations that lead to uh, this kind of discussion. Uh, at this point in our country, 70% of the people in America do not want Joe Biden or Donald Trump to be president. And if they're going to be the nominees, which it appears that they are, you know, you, you have choice A that no one wants and choice B that no one wants. You there don't want to have be choice C. I may have to be choice Choice
4: C. Well, but you run. said you may have to be choice C. Let, let me give you some like advice you don't <laughs> need to take. Recruited. But uh, d- don't run under no labels. They're a corporate front group. They're just interested in supporting people who want to well, keep a corrupt political system. Well, they seem to be worrying a lot of system.
7: Democrats. I mean, because yeah, they're chicken, it, yeah, because
4: you see a Democratic Party who's fighting for working class people, trying to change the economy, and then they get upset about oh, you're getting ta- we don't get enough tax cuts for the rich. Well, you're the taking of insulin for well, well, Democrats. Guys, are I
8: can't believe I'm saying this, but we are we like, are almost out of time. You have five seconds. The good thing is. Democrats don't want Biden. Many Republicans don't want Trump. The good thing is Republicans have a lot of really, really yeah, good options to choose well from. And options. I encourage people to, <laughs> to listen to what they have to say and make an educated decision. No,
6: okay, okay, this is, is going to have the effect of electing Donald Trump.
0: This again. is Period. a fantastic uh, discussion. We all come back and continue this discussion because it's very interesting. Also, come back to CNN on Tuesday night because I will be co-hosting with uh, my colleague Boris Sanchez, CNN's fourth in America special It features coast-to-coast fireworks and amazing musical performances. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. Farid Zakaria, GPS is next.
4: Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that.